they want to know about him and they want to know about his past times and qualities and how he works and how they can get into a a, a nicely connected situation or relationship with him so all these degrees they are welcome and they are very valuable to me. now in this um purport there's one important point that's being made in the very first paragraph um okay in the very first paragraph uh, if you go down just before the sanskrit quotation starts go up about that sanskrit quotation you go up four lines you will see are not pure devotees can you see that uh, these are not pure devotees yeah yeah these are not devotees because they have some aspiration to fulfill in exchange for devotional service pure devotional service is without aspiration and without desire so that's uh, this is a qualification all four are have a bright future because they've at least taken the trouble to turn towards the lord but these are not pure devotees it should be known because each each category in their uh, inclination towards the lord they it is tinged or contaminated with some one quality something that they desire but that's still accepted to the lord and now the question comes up how come then it's still acceptable to the lord and that's actually answered two verses down but you might as well say it now how come the lord still has a lot of value for these four categories although uh, of people of aspiring devotees although they, their desire is not pure it's tinged and contaminated with some material it's desire like a, yeah it's because like a gateway, no? yeah it's, it's like, like a gateway, gateway. it's like and a gateway to it's a gateway to him and what uh, prabhupada is saying in the purport to verse 18 we won't jump forward now is that it's still very much appreciated by the lord because there is an exchange of affection this is a crucial point that more than anything else what lord krishna really reciprocates with is some show and some feelings of affection okay now i, I think this brings to mind a verse that comes up in a couple of upanishads it's the mundaka upanishad for one and another one where uh, we are told that the jiva basically goes through uh, life after life in different bodies and right next to him in the region of the heart is sitting the paramatma and they are like two birds on a tree and uh, this the suffering bird of the jiva is hopping up and down different branches and of the same tree in one life he tastes sweet fruits that is he is mostly happy and successful another life it's sour fruits because he gets setbacks and tragedies and it's more suffering or whatever but the fact is that he is just hopping around tasting the fruits and next to him is the second bird like a sakshi or witness which is there every single lifetime and is just waiting for the moment when the jiva will just give up and say i just can't manage on my own please help me and turn his face towards the second bird so that's the reason why krishna is saying that he has value even for these four categories because as you said at least they have got started it's a gateway and they have got started and prabhupada is qualifying the uh, understanding by saying it's not just that it's also because they have uh, there is an exchange of affection so uh, these are not pure devotees but still they are very welcome to the lord now the fourth category whom we are told is um the one who is after knowledge he is not just inquisitive he wants more knowledge of the lord 
he is the one who is considered uh, superior to the others and i repeat that we may find that we are change, the reason why we change turn to this path of the supreme lord we may have a bit of each of these categories in our background it often happens like that it's not like clear black and white clear cut uh, boxes or at least more than one reason one of these categories is we may find ourselves in uh, at this turning juncture turning point or that particular juncture in our life where we took to a spiritual path and a path of spiritual inquiry and a more meaningful path so the fourth type who's asking a lot of questions about the lord and probably is not in distress not necessarily uh, needing wealth not inquisitive but actually seeking knowledge of the lord why is he considered superior because he has the maximum prospects like people ask what are his prospects you know for a prospective groom or bride what are their prospects why does he have the highest best prospects because he is going to sooner or later on this path of gaining knowledge of dream lord figure out that he is spirit soul he is not this body then he is going to figure out that there is also something called paramatma then he is going to go on basically to be aware of the supreme lord as brahman then paramatma and eventually maybe the personal conception of the god that is bhagavan so he is already way ahead of the others that's not to suggest that the others can't move out of one of these boxes they may have joined because they were in great distress and someone lent out or someone held out a hand for them or gave them some information or knowledge that gave them some hope but they may climb out of that box and get into the one that is inquisitive or jump straight out and get into the type that seeking knowledge of the lord so here we have it in the seventh chapter Uh, where uh, there's room for all types he is not it's not like one is condemned because one turned towards the lord when one was distressed or when one lost all one's wealth or was uh, badly in need of wealth this so brings in uh, just yeah. uh, one minute if i want to begin one thing actually so yeah. in my case like i mean in this was um, one of the reasons why i got into uh, devotional and why okay. what brought me into it was like maybe the It, maybe i could fall in the distress category and uh, then i kind of uh, and then after that like i mean the desire of wealth was like a is like always it's always there like in the sense that uh, i'm i'm always wondering okay i just need like wealth so that i can just survive and do security. things like yeah security and that kind of stuff yeah and the inquisitive is like you know that's part of like my spiritual growth of progress now so but i think it was because i think i don't know for me at least i started off with, with the distress uh, thing but what about you did you how did you uh, yeah say, yeah i would say a combination of distress the lack of wealth because it was really when i was abroad and after my first year there were some technical snags and the scholarship people did some politics and though i had uh, how do you say legally i was to carry on with the course i moved from uh, an emlet to it's too complicated to go into here but they took the opportunity and told me that they can't fund me beyond 2 years for the third year but they will back all the attempts i make to get small scholarships to pay my fees but they told me this in the first year itself because the two year course was being converted to a three year research course in art history but which meant within 6 months of joining this bomb landed on my head 
and unless i could move from the 2 years to the 3 years my studies abroad would not have any meaning but third year meant lots of money 7000 uk pounds so many years ago just for the fees then the boarding accommodation so i was straight away in distress and distress was not just in the form of where is the money going to come from just mentally in distress how am i supposed to concentrate if there is so much uncertainty and these scholarship people have actually promised that they would support the third year and so on anyway eventually everything worked out well but it is in those circumstances the distress as in mental distress plus really hoping that somewhere from somewhere the money will come to pay the fees and to complete my course that i would say these two together catapulted me into being inquisitive about something more some source of some real how do you say some succor some support that is beyond just whatever i've been used to and i would say i stopped there i didn't really search for knowledge of the absolute in those years many many years later when i started that old um, fascination for the bhagavad gita flared up again maybe 10 years later is when i started searching for knowledge of the absolute i think you already are searching for knowledge of the absolute otherwise you wouldn't be taking Yeah. I think I think uh, maybe the difference between yours and mine is because like I mean because social media everything got like kind of um fast forward in lot of it so it's like I was in one sense I was like I start off with the same way like maybe you start off but then um because social media I was able to like bypass well YouTube I was able to bypass a lot of things like I could easily say okay this is not thing this is not thing this is not thing and then get to a point where i was like okay this is a thing because there was already like there was information about all this available so i was able I to see like okay this is you know they talking about this is make sense in one sense uh, i think maybe social media did help me in one sense to get to the place because i remember like this is also one of the reasons why people in like uh, you know like in my father's generation or the older generation like one of the problems is that like you know for a long time they keep searching but they're not able to find the exact they were never able to find the exact the exact path because like the information wasn't so readily readily available to them at a young at a young age so it's like whatever they were stuck with believing in that's what they kept on believing for a long time so yeah i think yeah so i think maybe you were you were you were very lucky where you found it Uh, you know, whatever the case may be, but then for a lot of people, like for this generation, I feel like it's they're a bit more, they're they're more spoiled because like there's like the information is already there. Like you can, if some if someone got into if someone just type let's say spirituality on YouTube, you might not get Krishna Bhakti in the starting, but then within a, if you just keep if you just keep going through it, eventually within a two three weeks you find Krishna Bhakti or you find. People talking about Krishna and all stuff, and if it clicks on your mind, then you will get attracted to it. Attracted. But the same thing wasn't there before. It's not like same people uh, aren't there in the you know in the previous generation. It's true, but same time, remember in a, another in an earlier class we learned how Maya keeps updating herself, updating her tactics. So if yes, as you say, an earlier generation, your parents' generation, which is really almost my generation. they didn't have so much was not readily available they were also relatively safe because so mm. much nonsense and uh, maya tricks to yeah, completely okay. bewilder people and take them down very sinful paths that was also not available isn't it this mm. mobile phone phenomenon itself came only some 
like I don't know how uh, many it's tedious, a, tedious, yeah, tedious. It's a just as easy as it is to like let's say get spiritual knowledge or understand yeah. these things very quickly. It's like that much easier to kind of get lost and um, not know where you belong yeah. in your path. Now, really, now like for every uh, valid website, there are so many. Totally corrupt and sinful websites, also waiting to catch you. Just one mistaken click, and all you know how it works. So it's there, but what we must understand is that means for each of us, Krishna has a plan. Krishna has a plan for us. It's extraordinary how a soul takes birth at a particular time in a, in a country's history, and to a particular set of parents, and certain circumstances unfold. and then from inside is the desire to know more or the distress or whatever so it's it's uh, uh, it's the whole thing is just very much part of a larger plan that's unfolding and that we should bear in mind uh, the uh, it's like i think i'm not sure if i've told you the story one major uh, not major quite a senior but right now he's leading a quiet life in mayapur he's into touching 70 into 60s now it's not very well he was served as prabhupada's servant hari shauri hari s a u r i australian australian that's right yeah he's got his wife and daughter there and he is uh, he belongs to a generation where because of war poverty created by the second world war uh, his mother and was in such a plight that she actually almost tried to go and get rid of this pregnancy to abort but seeing the crude methods in use because she couldn't afford another child this post world war uh, uk or australia uk and then they moved to australia they uh, she uh, seeing the very cruel or scary uh, crude tactics they were using to abort they she couldn't go ahead with it because it was also dangerous to her life and in this circumstance in this situation what you find is uh, the the child that came out grew up like a fairly average normal um semi educated person until he crossed proper path and went on to become a person who's made a huge contribution you have this you get them free online transcendental diaries volume 1 volume 2 volume they make very interesting reading because he maintained day by day accounts he had a diary for the years he spent with propat he's overnight learned how to cook and learned how to massage propat's feet and travel with him and take dictation so this is hari shori so at one some one point shila propat took the trouble to enquire from him what his background is so hari shori actually said i ought not to have been born at all i was that embryo of fetus that my mother was trying with knitting needles those days to abort but she just couldn't go through it seeing the woman before her screaming with pain and all the muck and the so actually propat it was like very narrow how i came out a normal human being and then i reached you so propat was not uh, the devotees who were hearing were very uh, shocked to hear this and maybe even thrown into some confusion but propat just wagged a finger and said see krishna had a plan for you he had a very clear plan it seemed most unlikely that that child that almost was forcibly killed or eliminated would come out and then become a great devotee with so much contribution to a worldwide movement and still there very respectably living in mayapur so it's he has a plan for each one of us 
from the most unlikely circumstances people take to this path and krishna uh, uh, people take turn and there is a turning point in their life uh, we may have uh, uncooperative parents we may have led a very dissolute life until then and feel very sorry for it but none of these are impediments because krishna has had a plan and once the plan starts unfolding those impulses also come in our heart to turn towards this path now the question that comes up here when we are talking about the distress and the desire of wealth is usually such people won't go to krishna they go to demigod worship especially if they are born in india isn't it normally if you are in distress okay distress you may turn to krishna vishnu but the desire of wealth invariably it is to other sources even distress go to ganesh to remove the uh, the obstacles go if you are uh, trying to study and get admission for some prestigious course worship saraswati if you are uh, wealth well you may go to lord venkateshwara that's true that's possible so uh, this is a mystery how do those people then instead of going to the demigods how do they end up with krishna that krishna is going to tackle a little further down the set of verses how uh, even if they take to demigod worship he is sitting in their heart as paramatma and he gives them a chance and makes their faith steady and the demigods themselves are working completely under his command so they have their role to play and they just do what's required and at some stage the uh, aspiring devotee gets frustrated with the temporary nature of the results he's getting from demigod worship and apparently he gets frustrated and looks for something more and that's so he kind of lands literally at the feet of vishnu or krishna so it's really an elaborate plan and one doesn't know and one must never lose hope whatever happens uh, it uh, because once the plan has started unfolding uh, our faith must be very thick and uh, one must always be able to see the bigger picture and how things are moving or how things are working Okay, so if that's all right, shall we move on to the next verse? Yeah, yeah. Seventeen. Yeah. Okay, next verse. Okay, in the seventeenth verse, in the translation, if you like to read, Kanan. Yeah. So of these, the one who is in full knowledge and who is already engaged in pure devotion serves the best. For I am very dear to him, and he is dear to me. so he is categorically categorically saying again one who is in full knowledge and who is always engaged in your devotion service is the best fine from in this purport if you turn to the middle what is this words brahman parmatma etc they come up hmm you see so he says by searching after knowledge one realizes that he is self is different from his material body and then yeah. further advanced he comes to the knowledge of the person amman and parma and the next sentence is crucial ah. when one when is when one is fully yeah. yeah go on so when one is fully uh, fully purified he realizes that his constitutional solution is to be the eternal servant of god okay now just just stop here why the fourth category of the person who does turn to krishna who just surrender is considered superior is because he has got a head start like you know in this um, i don't know what not the marathon but uh, in certain races somebody is given a certain advantage like that uh, i can't think of a very appropriate analogy relay the relay relay relay, 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 relay yeah. yeah 
yeah because the like, baton they pass the baton you know like um, so like usually the first um the first eight uh, runners are like ranked based on their rank and all that so it's like the best runner with uh, the person who qualified with the best time in the finals like he'll be in the starting um okay. or something like that. and the person in the the worst time will start from from the back so All like right. that yeah so yeah. some advantage is there uh, a lot of advantage a great advantage is there for the fourth category who's looking really for more and more knowledge of the lord because he is got a head start and what is the position he's finally supposed to come to like uh, you you can ask what is the final position for that really runner where does he have to reach like that here he has to come to the understanding that his own constitutional position is to be a servant of god so it's one thing to know that we are spirit soul you know we are actually out uh, this body of made of matter is temporary our actual identity is that of the jiva or the soul then the understanding goes a little further and you understand there's not just the soul there's also super soul when you are searching for god and you realize him in his impersonal feature first as brahman then you see him as paramatma but in the process like a seesaw you know in a child's children's park in the seesaw if one end is high up the other end is low like that the higher our understanding of god or god realization goes we understand our own position to be lower and lower exactly like the seesaw when our understanding of the infinite of the supreme lord is very meager and very low and childish and immature we think ourselves the other end of the seesaw tips up where we are seated we think that we are very very somebody very special god's gift to the world and make a big issue about everything and everything has to revolve around us whereas as we realize more and more how great god is or how kind how loving what all arrangements he is making and the seesaw starts kind of tipping in the other direction and we take a lower and lower position that's how you hear this, this often word this phrase bandied around i oh i am just a humble servant your humble mm. servant in his context like servant they say yeah, like um, servant of I the keep, servant i i keep saying before i uh, part of my like notice now i've introduced this thing like at the end of um, the thing i always have this like I can try to have like a conversation with Krishna at the end of all my stay just to like like because a lot of the times I what I realized like when I was doing my meditation and chanting was that if it, it, it that's it's very nice actually but then it felt like for some reason it felt like um um you know that the love connection is not for some reason not I wasn't feeling that that much so I just said like after everything I'll I'll have this like conversation with It's not like you know at the end of everything. In my either in my mind or say it loudly or whatever. So I always say this like you know because I've heard people always devotees say that you know that I'm just a humble servant or the servant yeah, yeah. of your um, closest devotee. So I'll say that also. You know, so that's a very uh, hum- like it's a very uh, it's a very humble place to be at. To be yeah, in that yeah. state. Yeah, and to accept once- that position. and once we are actually do get some realization of that position then uh, we uh, it is said that we stop worrying and fearing because we see uh, how limited our own powers are or how insignificant our role is at the same time we have to continue doing what we are expected to do but this is a very good place to be in 
to understand that we are just an eternal servant of god that's our actual position and we have to help others get that knowledge or realization and bring them out of this whole maya world of their great superiority and their uh, multi uh, i don't know lakhs salaries and so on you know the inflated positions particularly in the it world it's all anywhere now amongst young people uh, earlier at least you had to wait decades to be able to earn a decent salary as you got promotion now it's not like that so uh, here because the person who is seeking knowledge of the supreme lord has got a head start uh, it is likely that he will get here faster to the understanding that he is an eternal servant of god and it's like a it's like the seesaw effect the higher you your understanding of god and the greater your realization and awareness of god is or your devotion automatically on the other side it dips it goes completely down and you realize that you lower and lower is your own position you you manage you you're able to grasp this point that you're just a servant of the servant of the supreme lord of course it mustn't just be an empty um, Uh, artificial exercise because it's easy to say this but to actually do it and to act according to this understanding is much harder it means being forced to give up your it's a, yeah it's a, what i learned in the last like i've started doing this i guess it may be like almost a year's going to happen now but like what i've learned over the months is that like, like getting into bhakti is like it's very like easy in the sense that you, you know what is supposed to like hari krishna mahamantra is supposed to say and things yeah. like that there are various uh, like things that you can say and all that but yeah. as time goes like you I, like you kind of feel like okay it's something is not giving me the connection that i need and so like you're always like just like anything else in life you're like tweaking certain things like you know like you're doing you what find, like, like tweaking like tweaking certain things tweaking. like updating tweaking yeah. like you know like changing a couple of things in your practice or okay, uh, yeah. yeah so changing a few things like you know okay i am meditating for this much time maybe i can meditate for this for extra i am meditating on this but maybe i can meditate on that i am um, i'm showing i've been showing love to krishna in this way but maybe i can show love in this way and so you're always changing things because your mind is also like react because it's it's seeing so many different things constantly you know so it's like you're you're also trying to adapt to the environment that you are in at the moment along with your practice also the same time so like you may have lived in some other place for like like right now you're you're living in Trivandrum um, with your mother right so after some time you might have to go and live in Mayapur and uh, you or wherever you'll be living yeah. uh, after that so yes. again like based on the environment that you're in and the situation you're in the practice also might change like you know according to how you perceive things and all that stuff you know very much like, very much so, so yeah it's like when i'm when i'm with my family like they're thinking about like only that small community of people like my family and then you know this but when you are outside you're thinking about not just the family but you're thinking about so many other people also and you're thinking about um the relationships and that because that is there in front of you as well so it's like it changes according to the sort of situation i guess right right sure definitely changes so uh in the next verse and the next yeah, verse 18 to verse 18 yeah shall we move to verse 18 yeah yeah, yeah. let's go 
So I'll I'll read it. Yeah, read it. Please read it. So all these devotees are undoubtedly magnanimous souls, but he who is situated in knowledge of me, I consider to be just like my own self. He engaged in my transcendental service. He is sure to attain me the highest and most perfect goal. Okay. So uh, all of them are magnanimous souls, like we said. Why? How come? It's although they it's all tainted with some desire or the other. It's because they've already got started. They've entered the gateway, and because there's an exchange of affection, and that's what the Lord really craves for. Uh, all these devotees are undoubtedly magnanimous souls, but he who is situated in knowledge of me, I consider to be just like my own self. Being engaged in my transcendental service, he is sure to attain the highest and the most perfect goal. And here, in the purport, Prabhupada is telling us, it is not that devotees who are less complete in knowledge are not dear to the Lord. The Lord says they are all magnanimous because anyone who comes to the Lord for any purpose is called a mahatma or a great soul. The devotees who want some benefit out of devotional service are accepted by the Lord because there is an exchange of affection. Out of affection, that means there's some trust they have in the Lord, some liking. That's what they are asking Him. They ask the Lord for some material benefit, and when they get it, they become so satisfied that they also advance in devotion service because that satisfaction itself increases the heart connection. But the devotee in full knowledge is considered to be very dear to the Lord because his only purpose is to serve the Lord with love and devotion. Such a devotee cannot. Live a second without contacting or serving the Supreme Lord, and the Supreme Lord is very fond of the devotee. Cannot be separated from him. So here, uh, uh, there's a famous story. I forget the name. It is one of the associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He was actually a rich raja, and uh, he, another of the associates of Mahaprabhu, went and said, "Why are you lying around like this?" On a uh, you know a big rich silk cushion covered some kind of divan and with this turban and some flashy jewelry and there was a hookah that he was smoking. But uh, what the person who accused him of being just a lazy, um, uh, comfort-loving person did not know was that internally he was constantly meditating on Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and apparently. One of his servants came with a peacock feather fan. Those days, whether you were waving the fan in front of the deities or you were waving, it was peacock feather apparently to give cool breeze. It was so hot in the days before electricity. And at the sight of the peacock feathers in that fan, this particular individual, this associate, kind of just swooned or rolled off or fainted because he was so intensely absorbed in thoughts of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as an incarnation of Lord Krishna. So therefore, we can't judge often by externals, and we don't know what's going on internally between the Lord and uh, and the particular devotee. Therefore, we see here the example is given of Vidura. You know of that incident of Vidura and the bananas, how Vidura and his wife uh, were in their humble home. Of course, we know Vidura as the person who. Is it the Bhagavatam? Mahabharata also. The Mahabharata. So this the story is not in the Bhagavatam. This is one of ah, the. Ah okay okay. Because I know Vidura. He like he when he meets Maitreya and he um and yeah. Vidura generally is the person who is like the advisor to Vidrashwa and um, like you That's know right. he follows. 
ಧೃತರಾಷ್ಟ್ರ uh to stop his madness and to uh, no actually he this um duryodhan kicks has vidra kicked out but vidra takes it as an opportunity to enhance his spiritual life and then he takes uh instructions from the rishi and he uh, so on and then later after the mahabharat war is over and kaikin krishna is uh, there as a guest in the house of the pandavas uh although all his sons have been killed by the same pandavas is vidura who comes and taunts actually fires dhritarashtra and tells him have you no shame to be eating food <laughs> same people who are responsible for the destruction of your sons and instead of living comfortably in the palace you should just move on and go to the forest somehow the words although they are wounding they have the desired effect and dhritarashtra goes and of course gandhari goes with him and in the forest they do uh, acute, uh, extreme austerities meditation and then uh, release give up their bodies the, it catches fire and there's a forest fire but the vidura we are going to talk of here now is in a different mood because apparently he and his wife i don't know the name of the lady they are in their humble home and they are told this is in dwarka i think they are told that lord krishna is at their door or he is on his way he is visiting different citizens and he, he is going to visit so vidura there's nothing to offer and they grab a bunch of bananas and as soon as the lord appears of course the usual custom of they wash his feet and then vidura says you must be and in his confusion instead of eating the bananas he throws it the bananas and keeps in the seeds you see because of so much you could say some uh, nervousness and anxiety that suddenly the lord appeared and they were to prepare so in this this situation he is throwing away the actual bananas and giving the peel and lord krishna is quietly eating the peels the lord doesn't didn't try to interfere and say hey what are you doing give me the bananas not the peel he understood what was going on in the heart of vidura like you know you have someone you love very much and your heart starts to palpitate when they enter the room this i'm talking of in a romantic situation but for the lord he knew how vidura's heart was palpitating with genuine love for the lord and in that utter confusion this happens in romantic situations they drop something and they stutter you see this there are hindi movies or any movie all yeah. the time almost every movie is like every movie absolutely every movie yeah. first encounter and love at first sight yeah. and so on. but here uh, uh, the lord understood what was going on in vidura's heart so he didn't interfered with the ras or the mellow the mood of love that was flowing between them he quietly kept eating the peels the banana peels till vidura realized his mistake and apologized profusely and so on and made amends so this is to show that for lord krishna what really matters to him is the affection in our hearts it's not so much the quantity of whatever it is we are offering or the costliness of something we are going to make as an offering it's none of that it's really the just the affection and 
jeeva who is able to feel the affection from the supreme lord is very fortunate he is called a rasik bhakta the high topics are not something we should get into here the ras or the exchange between the lord so then a rasik bhakta for when a rasik bhakta makes this kind of things the lord is going to punish normally in a temple if a pujari out of carelessness or callousness or in our own homes we give offer the bills sincere it's considered a big big mistake the offering was done all wrong make another offering or something is burnt the rice is burnt because of carelessness or uh, some other preoccupation but not so in a direct exchange with the lord and not so if actually there is so much affection because it said here it is not that devotees are less complete in knowledge are not dear to the lord the lord says it all are magnanimous etc anybody who comes is called a mahatma and because there is an exchange of affection out of affection they ask the lord for some material when when they get it became so satisfied that they make advancement in devotional service but the devotee in full knowledge is considered to be very dear because his only purpose is to have a devotion and so on and then it goes on uh same as first from the bhagavatam 9 can to sadhu hrudayam mahyam sadhunam hrudayam dvaham mat yat tena jananti naham te yo managapi devotees are always in my heart and i am always in the heart of the devotees gosh the devotee does not know anything beyond me and i also cannot forget that devotee the devotee there is a very intimate relationship between me and the pure devotees and you remember in an earlier class chapter 7 i'm sure we talked about the television in the heart feel a prophet's famous for yeah. yeah there's a television inside our heart mm. we just need to uh, shake it and uh, shake, get it tune to it. Uh, tune it that's right correct it's a it's an old analogy prophet like nowadays yeah, television yeah, yeah, are like yeah. coming with set up box you know that's right because those days the television was just making its appearance correct yeah, yeah. in the 70s last century so is the television in the heart that which means that even if the lord is somewhere far away in his spiritual kingdom he will appear in your heart and you can catch an image just like you sit here and watch what's happening in the chernobyl disaster in russia and so on so uh, that's why it's these verses that uh, make us refer to these chapters starting from chapter 7 on to chapter 12 to be really the heart of the bhakti because these are the bhakti chapters i'm waiting for the kind of waiting for the ninth chapter to start because that's where like uh, that ninth chapter is like my favorite favorite it's also beautiful with so many beautiful verses that's true the ninth chapter that's also part of this bhakti section and now in verse 19 is going to make one final like a definitive statement and then move on to the status of position of semi-god worshippers that's also interesting say you want to read verse 19 yeah, yeah. after many births and deaths he was actually a knowledge surrenders unto me knowing me to be the cause of all causes and all that is such a, such a great soul is very rare ஜன்மனாமேனி 
living entity while executing devotional service or transcendental rituals after many many births may actually become situated in transcendental pure knowledge uh, that the supreme personality of god is the ultimate no he is not distracted by any other temptations any other demigods so on or any other forms of worship while one is okay meanwhile while one is trying to give up one's attachment to materialism there is some leaning towards impersonalism but when one is further advanced he can understand that there are activities in spiritual life and that these activities constitute devotional service okay just the first half of this particular uh, sentence while one is trying to give up one's attachment to material desires there is a danger that we become very we become very impersonal any thoughts on this kanan any anything you want to share why does this happen or because there's the uh, aversion to because in bhakti we we say that everything is like you know uh, we have to put our entire mind in the devotion towards krishna and that yeah. becomes the primary focus and the goal so everything else is like immaterial like it's not considered like um good it's not considered in the mode of goodness it's always considered in the mode of ignorance so anything that is like material falls in that category so Yeah, because of that like you know we can a lot of people can say like you know uh, become like detach yourself from uh, materialistic thought and become more devotionally oriented that is like a very impersonalist um, it's also like a lot of impersonalist philosophers and teachings also say the same thing so, we just said yeah that word detachment there's a tendency that is artificially practice detachment to say oh i don't care about this i don't care about that because this is like literally like we swing to the other extreme before we find our feet we understand that material desires is uh, wrong or uh, gradually overcome or transcend it we don't know how to do it so we have a tendency to artificially suppress all our sense reactions you know we suppress the senses uh, something very terrible has happened i don't have a we don't have a reaction something joyful has happened we don't have any reaction we really end up becoming impersonal and uh, people will say oh some of these hari krishna devotees they have lost the ability to emote you know to have any emotions actually there's an artificially impersonal or suppressed or repressed uh, and it means that the person has yet to come to a position where you feel all these things feel sorrow when someone has passed away or you feel joy when some somebody close to you or some something good has happened but but at the same time with the understanding that these things are also temporary and not to be taken too seriously it requires a lot of maturity to come to a balance most of the time as devotees we end up like this artificially austere and suppressing all our natural sense reaction like you said artificially detached that's why and therefore leaning towards impersonalism this happens a lot it's in temples it's one of the major points of conflict between the brahmacharis who are temple inmates in the ashram they are really there in the temple to run the temple they and the visiting uh, ladies and men because this happens like in a temple if because the poor brahmachari is struggling with his senses and is trying not to have too much interaction with the female sex even if a 
lady who says can you can i have a seat to sit on the floor is very cold he will instead of paying attention this is a genuine demand a first time person is coming to the temple if they don't get this basic facility they may never come again what does he do he answers very briskly or roughly and walks away or gets a cushion and throws it from a distance because he doesn't want to have anything to do lest he falls into that trap so very common it takes different forms this kind of common uh problems that arise but whenever yeah, it's a, it's a it's a problem because like i mean i don't know if it's a problem because like um, if you become impersonalist like uh, in one sense it's like in one sense i guess you could say uh, in one sense krishna won't be like chastising you or anything like that but like <laughs> he'll be like he'll be like um, telling you like yeah but you know your mind is not it's it's going to be difficult for me from now on but like not very um, you know it's going to sustain this level of impersonalism or like detachment is not going to be easy that's why it's like it's why like in business series podcast they always make this point like keep the main thing the main thing keep make sure that whatever is the main thing you make and that the, the main thing and the details so, do you mean the details are less important what do you mean no no they, they say what this Yeah, what they say uh, yeah they say like what keep the main thing the main thing means like keep krishna the main thing so whatever the whatever the situation is like no matter what difficulty you are going through whatever and all that stuff make sure that yeah. he is always the main thing so you know so like you might get into you might get into like discussions like this where you get into impersonalism and all that yeah. but like always make sure that in the back of your mind the main thing is always the main thing. so that you always okay. come back to that I get your point. Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, I'm surprised that we have not discussed this one point when we joined. Uh, question we were repeatedly asked, and actually, there's a shastric source for it. What is the highest principle uh, in bhakti? And the answer is to never forget Krishna and to always remember Krishna. It's two things of the same thing. There is nothing higher than this. Like you said, the main thing is our connection with Krishna. Keep that the main thing. The other things we may flop, we may make mistakes, we may hurt devotees, we may do aparad. It's all true. We may overdo stuff and go be crazy. But the main thing is that we don't forget Krishna at all, and we always remember him. So that's the highest principle of bhakti. And uh, yeah, you are right. So the reason for this austerity. But as we become a little more mature. instead of this artificial detachment and artificially suppressing our normal healthy sense reactions at least my shiksha guru purnachandra swami who is no more used to advise that we have to learn uh, like uh, with a horse if you are riding a horse and you pull the stirrup so the reins too tight it will rear up and throw you off so also with your bhakti practices to try and do things that you are not yet ready for that are physically or psychologically too impossible right now to give up then it will be like the horse that will rear, rear up and throw you off the track completely much better to let the horse treat our own senses like a horse you used to say let it wander it wants to eat some grass it wants to drink some water from the river after it's done all this it's willing to go slowly then it's willing to pick up speed then it's willing to gallop He was straightly pulling the reins and making it go fast. So he used to say, "We should understand ourselves, what are our weak spots, and not be too harsh, 
but sufficiently little tough on us so that we always make a little mm-hmm. advancement and try and do a little more than what we normally are comfortable with otherwise there will be no forward movement at all if you always stick in a comfort zone but the general general tendency especially for devotees to join in the temple is to straight away leap straight out out of the comfort zone and do try and do some impossible things get burnt out or asses get fried out and then just leave and go back home it's a very common disaster what proper this thing this artificial austerity and artificial okay now having made this like a definite statement about how bahunam janmanamante gyanaman vak propagate that one that was that after many many births and lifetimes only a uh, someone turns to me surrenders learns about me and is fully fixed on me now suddenly the topic changes in the next 3 4 verses and he's talking about demigod worshipers okay it's interesting because he is very condemning he is saying uh, openly look at these the verses 20 starting with verse 20 okay verse 20 kamaistaistairhutagyana prapatyante anya devata actually the very first sentence if you see the translation those whose intelligence has been stolen by material desire surrender unto demigods means in the next verse he will call them people of low intelligence alpamethasa so he is being quite damning and condemning that those who have lost their intelligence what has stolen the intelligence the material desires surrender unto demigods and follow the particular rules and regulations of worship according to their natures so here uh, therefore as we know especially in hindu society we know uh, and i think even for the christians there are different angels that grant different favors the idea is like say if you want you are sitting for an exam connected with studies you worship saraswati you do saraswati puja once a year if it is uh, a good husband you do vrata for lord shiva if it is mani i suppose it is indra dev if it is then there is a health it is surya dev chandra uh, lakshmi worship for correct uh, lakshmi for well mani correct correct thanks for acting it's lakshmi devi lakshmi puja and so on for health is usually apparently surya bhagwan surya dev is the giver of health and is even said that in a person's birth chart in astrology if the sun is well situated sun is in your lagna then you will basically have good health all your life mostly so sun so therefore uh, the a large part of the vedas uh, recommend and prescribe different pujas and mantras that go with it for to appease each of these demigods so that's interesting but krishna is here condemning them and saying it's those who are whose intelligence is stolen by material desires that turn in that direction and worship the demigods uh and in the next verse in verse 21 he is oh yes he is not he is going to condemn a little further down what does he say in verse 21 that's also quite amazing can you would you like to read please yeah i mean uh, everyone's heart is a super soul as soon as one desires to worship some demigod i make his feet steady so that he can devote himself to that particular duty 
All right. So why do you think uh, this is the case? I mean, surely Krishna, who is condemned to demigod worship, shouldn't be giving facilities to that person who is running after the demigods. Why does he instead say that I am inside their heart and I, if they desire, I make his face steady so that he can devote himself to that particular deity? Actually, because the demigods. Because the demigods also are like in one sense uh, under the control of Krishna, they are also like part of. Um, yeah, they are. Yeah, they are also like worshiping Krishna in sense. So like, um, so that's why he says that if you are worshiping any demigod, I will increase that. I will increase the worship of that demigod itself because yeah. you indirectly are worshiping me also. So. That's right, indirectly. And also, some uh, some valuable uh, insight is given in the purport here. If you like to read the purport, at least the first big paragraph, that yeah, just the uh, first so, paragraph. Yeah. Okay. So God has given uh, independence to everyone. Uh, yeah. Therefore, a person, uh, therefore, a person, therefore, if a person desires to have material enjoyment and wants uh, very sincerely to have such facilities from the material demigods, the supreme Lord has a super soul in everyone's heart. Understand and give facilities to such persons. As the supreme father of all living entities, he does not interfere with their independence, but gives all facilities so that they can fulfill their material desires. Some may ask why the all-powerful God gives facilities to living entities for enjoying this material world, and so lets them fall into the trap of the illusory entity. The answer is that if the supreme Lord, as super soul, does not give such facilities, then there is no meaning to independence. Therefore, he gives everyone full independence, whatever one likes. But the ultimate instruction we find in the Bhagavad Gita: one should give up all other engagements and fully surrender unto him. That will make man happy. Okay, so this is a crucial point because this independence means Krishna wants our surrender to be voluntary, and bhakti is something that is voluntary. It can't be forced out of a person, and it loses its sweetness if it's forced out of a person. You know, you hear sometimes of these crazy guys. There were a few more than one case like that. They take a fancy to a particular lady, young girl, and because the lady is not uh, responding to their overtures or their whatever their interest, they then decide to exterminate, to kill off the lady, or they threaten that I will kill you if you don't agree to my. This is like forced. You're holding a gun to someone and forcing them to love you or forcing them to mm-hmm. marry you and. Okay. Krishna is not interested in that kind of thing. There is no sweetness. He is interested in sweet affection exchanges. That's why he is giving the independence. Because the question is asked: If Krishna really wants all of us to come to him, why does he then put Maya all around us for us to get bewildered? Why make things so difficult? Because one is that he has to respect our freedom of choice. Other thing is when eventually we decide we had enough of all the other tantalizing attractions in the material world. And though we have to be properly situated, we care only for him. Once this happens, automatically it means that we have made a choice. We are independently and voluntarily opting for bhakti for him. So that's very sweet. Therefore, uh, he gives us that independence. Next paragraph is telling us both the living entity and the demigods are subordinate to the will of the supreme personality of Godhead. Therefore, the living entity cannot worship the demigod by his own desire, nor can the demigod reciprocate, bestow any benediction without the supreme will. Actually, a point that I discovered uh, rather late in my this, all these studies 
if you go to a normal like ganapati puja devi puja ganapati yagya which is normally done in the new house etc puja is to ganapati the mantra so to ganapati there will always be a vishnu form on coconut setup in a metal pot brass or whatever and that is and the fire into which everything is being poured like the ghee and the bananas the fire itself is considered the mouth of vishnu and the tongues of flame are all like his tongue coming to eat so although the puja is to ganapati or the puja is to devi bhagavati seva bhagavati puja in a new house is common but there's always vishnu present either literally they say in malayalam vishnu ahuvahicha you invite vishnu to come and sit inside that symbolic coconut which is uh, decorated then with vaishnava tilak and everything and kept inside with mango leaves in a in a brass or brand new copper pot and on top of that the flames inside that yagya kunda are literally the mouth of vishnu so even when the the demigods are being approached to give some particular favor or to appease them vishnu is very much present and without this sanction they cannot bestow anything this is a very practical uh, bit of knowledge that i picked up rather late in my years spent with the bhagavad gita uh, someone from the gurukul pointed it out to me so they are also subordinate and they part of the bigger plan and certain demigods make it their business when they are really happy with the devotion or whatever out of their mercy to turn that candidate and somehow turn them towards krishna worship and lord shiva it is supposed to be in the nature of lord shiva to be doing this that he does this often and lot of shiva worshipers will then come with uh, to krishna worship and not feel i am certainly one of them not feel any fear that krishna lot shiva is now very angry with me and he is going to punish me because i no longer i don't have any aversion sometimes i like lot shiva wherever i see him and whether you know and if there is a sub shrine in a vishnu shrine temple or separately the shiva temples i owe a lot to lot shiva but at the same time that is past now so demigods are also happy often if they that bhakta or candidate moves on to krishna vishnu worship because even they know they are subordinate they are part of the bigger plan and even they know that they cannot give moksha vishnu uh, eva asamshaya mukti pradata vishnu eva asamshaya vishnu alone is the giver of mukti or moksha no samshaya no doubts about it this is a famous quotation from lord shiva himself when he is advising parvati in her spiritual pursuit or when she is asking him for advice so this is the plan and then in the very next verse if you go to verse 22 uh he is continuing the same conversation uh, lord krishna you see here yeah so in those with uh, such a faith in the uh, in those who worship a particular demigod and feel the desire but in actuality these benefits are bestowed by me alone interesting so uh, how compassionate and how broad minded uh, a, a position krishna is taking it doesn't reject anybody at all but uh, sometimes we in our immaturity or our impatience reject those who are not coming to the path that we think they should be following naturally that impatience also krishna appreciates but uh, just that they are bringing same times we have to make some attempt to try to make them hurry up a little i agree fully if we just leave them where they are nothing's going to happen and yet we should be aware that krishna is in their hearts also watching all the activities and guiding in whatever way possible uh, the paragraph of this 
says uh, those who turn to the demigods usually because he is mad to fulfill his lust yeah a living entity goes to the demigods usually not here but little higher mm-hmm. it's not a much it's just one sentence even if you just listen to it it's okay a living entity okay. goes to the demigods usually because he is mad to fulfill his lust here lust doesn't necessarily mean lust as we know it sexual lust but just an overriding desire to somehow get what he has set his mind on so uh, people will offer big big offerings these many coconuts to ganapati and this and that and so on to just get what they are really inercha uh, anercha in in kerala and in other parts of india and elsewhere also because he is mad to fulfill his lust this happens this is a very telling following statement this usually happens when something undue is desired by the living entity and the lord himself does not fulfill the desire okay this is another point when people turn to krishna and desire these things often they come away empty handed it's a kind of bitter result why do they come away empty handed because the lord knows better than us and he specifically denies us the results we are praying desperately for because it is in our better interest so often you see young girls who come to his con they take a fancy to some particular devotee male devotee also in his con and they are desperately praying and making offerings and everything and it doesn't work out because that's not someone else is meant for them yes marriage okay the desire to settle down everything fine but so in krishna worship this is often the case that then you are handing over control to krishna and we may not exactly get the results that we are desperately and fervently praying for but he denies us that because he knows it is not in our interests he's got something more suitable for us planned for us and in the very following verse which is the last verse we are going to study today because the next section is something different in this last this next verse 23 is again condemning demigod worshipers see here Verse twenty-three. Men of small, uh, men of small intelligence worship the demigods, and their fruits are limited and temporary. Those who worship the demigods go to plants for demigods, but my devotees ultimately reach my spiritual life. All right. So here, something crucial, and that actually conflicts with Advaitic understanding. It's just of interest because you also read up a lot of Advaitic sources. here the second sentence just pay attention to the second sentence those who worship the demigods go to the planet of the demigods but my devotees ultimately reach my supreme planet but there's a famous famous advaitic uh, quote or you can say an often repeated and oft repeated cholla saying yatto uh, it is bengali yatto mat tato pat i'm not sure if it is sanskrit i think it is bengali is it tatvamasi no 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 not that no no that i am not quarreling with not that this is bengali coming straight from uh, ramakrishna paramahamsa yatto mat tato pat meaning there are many many paths to reach the supreme and all of them will do yatto mat as many as people or aspirants are there tato pat pat means so many paths are there and they are all okay they reach the final same goal meaning that you can now it is said that ramakrishna basically uh, came up with this because around that time uh, in in socialist uh, there was so much uh, somehow uh, vedic religion as we know it had come under a lot of attack and was kind of splintering away 
and the christian missionaries were taking full advantage and converting people so ramkrishna apparently was trying to save the situation by saying everybody okay all parts okay everybody can so be a the, the the famous verse i think another verse i think which is maybe a study of the ekam sat prabhu dadanti Okay, uh, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, go on. Oh, yeah, sure. Okay, so that's like, it comes out to me like truth is one. Uh, yeah. But sage is calling by different names. Okay. So, that is, that's, that's, I mean, that's a very, um, I mean, it's, it's said a lot of the ability circle thing. Yeah. Um, like, it comes out to me, which I think was said by, uh, uh, Shankaracharya? Uh, is it Shankaracharya? I think it's done. I think Shankaracharya had written it somewhere, but then I think um, it is popularized by Vivekananda. Um, okay, all right, fine. Okay, the thing, uh, uh, what is being said here? Actually, Shankaracharya himself was known to have uh, composed hymns to many, many different demigods. You will see very rich and very powerful hymns. Uh, that's fine. And with Yathomat uh, Nathopat, Ramakrishna is supposed to have uh, made the statement in particular circumstances. But why these things are these points are being brought up is because this particular verse is saying when uh, those who worship the demigods will go to that planet. Fine, you want to go there, you go there. Those who worship uh, Krishna in whatever form go to a variety of planet. Point is say, being saying uh, is being Prabhupada. I think makes it uh, makes this point with this analogy. You buy, you get on a plane, uh, you get on a train and buy a ticket to Delhi, then naturally you will get off at Delhi. Instead, on you think you're on the same train, that's fine, but you bought a ticket only up to uh, uh, Mangalore or wherever the Rajasthani goes from here. You will be getting off at a different destination. So he is making this point. It's not about good, bad and superior, inferior. As much as that is just practical common sense, If your objective worship is something different from another person, then the destination you reach finally, however seriously both may be on the path, is going to be different. So this makes there's a lot of common sense. Then the question arises, how to decide whether I should be getting off in Mangalore, I should wait till I reach Delhi. That's a matter of personal choice. If someone tells you there's a much better life waiting for you if you become a Delhi wala, then you, you change the ticket and you decide to continue the journey up to Delhi. Whereas if your understanding is you'll be quite happy in Mangalore, just you overnight from Trivandrum and you get off in Mangalore, then okay, you stick with that short journey ticket. So it's a matter of about personal choice and Krishna is making this very clear. Demigod worships are working under his command. They are part of the bigger picture. Even they cannot bestow benedictions unless he sanctions. And uh, they are there to supply the fundamental necessities that a human being needs to survive in the material world. So it's only natural that human beings struggling in the material world will go to different demigods, not only to satisfy the material desires, but just to get what basics they need. Really, literally, sometimes it's like that. Until they come to some higher awareness. So Krishna waits patiently till their situation is a little stable and something inside them clicks and they decided to come to take the ticket to Delhi instead of getting off in Mangalore, for example. So this is just like a fundamental point here. Uh, here, in this purport, some commentators on the Bhagavad Gita say that one who worships a demigod can reach the Supreme Lord, but here it is clearly stated that the worshippers of demigods go to the different planetary systems where various demigods are situated. Just as a worshipper of the sun goes to the sun planet, 
worship god of the moon chandra loka similarly if anyone wants to worship a demigod like indra he can attain that particular god's planet there's a particular route to do it it is not that everyone regardless of whatever demigod is worshiped it automatically reaches the supreme personality of god and this is denied here for it it is clearly stated that the worshipers of demigods go to different planets etc now if you just jump jump and come to the third paragraph not not, not only are the demigods uh, not only are the demigods parts the supreme lord but ordinary living entities are also in the shrimad bhagavatam it is stated that the brahmanas are the head of the supreme lord the uh, kshatriyas are his arms the vaishyas are his waist the shudras are his legs and all serve different functions regardless of the situation if one knows that both the demigods and he himself are part and parcel of the supreme lord his knowledge is perfect but if he does not understand this he achieves different plans that the demigod himself this is not the same destination of devotee Okay. About Brahmanas being the head of the Supreme Lord, in another place it says that the Brahmanas are the mouth of the Supreme Lord. Now, the practical point here is, generally it is said that the Lord speaks through His mouth. Well, everybody. So the Lord speaks through the Brahmanas, which means that a person of genuine Brahmanical quality, not necessarily a born Brahmin, uh if he, he or she says something it invariably comes true because this is the mouth of the lord speaking and the lord even makes it come true so that to such an extent that you will see in our mahabharata and ramayana and even in the bhagavata people are very scared to be cursed by a brahmana because that's going to come true see what happened with shringi the son of the brahmana how a childish and immature and misunderstood uh, the whole situation was he cursed and that that snake bird came and killed parikshit or that um, situation where i mean uh, it's like even the situation where indra defeats setting the king virabhadra right that's right uh, yeah yeah, and, yeah. Uh, they have this virabhadra uh, is a is a is a brahmin but he's also a demon like you know so he gets right. killed and so like there's this uh, there's this like sort of uh, indra has to go for like around 1000 years it's said in the bhagavatam like for th- around 1000 years he has to like you know he has to like um, get rid of that that karmic thing that he is uh, right. yeah. killing a like in one sense he had to kill uh, the demon but yeah. even then like the demon happened to be a brahmin but also like a brahmana also so a brahmin basically so right. after killing him he went for a thousand years he did tapasya he did to re- remove all the sinful reactions and all that stuff and then yeah. in that time when he was not there the heavens were not ruled by indra at the time so Like you know, uh, you know. So it was like uh, you know. So he was all he was in. I don't know where he was, but he was not there in this place for right. thousand years. And in, there's this place I think where he where like they describe this place where he did it. It's still there somewhere. I'm not sure where. It is. Okay, I'll check it out. Yeah. Most probably in India itself, right? Yeah. That's what you mean, yeah. Okay, so yeah. So what you're saying, right? Therefore, uh, it is not just that the demigods are part of the supreme lord, but even the different varnas. like we said the brahmana is the mouth or the head of the lord the lord speaks through them so generally what they say predict curse comes through so people are scared to annoy them a genuine brahmana by qualification sure, uh, um one thing i wanted to ask you but i'm not sure yeah. this is true though, but i read i mean i saw on some video of some uh, there is was some video in youtube where this uh, they make all these like hindu 
related to tech topics in this week you know they make a video on it so i'm not sure this is true but like they they say that the reason why like people always say like okay why did vishnu like incarnate and come in as different forms into this earth like came he came as first as the fish and the boar and then the turtle tortoise and you know the yeah. different forms were there right so i think somewhere like the question is to why he like what made him incarnated to all these forms in the first place somebody said like vishnu himself was uh because there was this i don't know i don't know where the story is for there's a story where there's this brahman itself who is like he's like a he's a, he's a brahman but he's kind of like a demon or something like that and he um he's doing some uh, he's doing some kind of tapasya or some kind of ritual to do something that would um that that's not a good thing so at that time vishnu comes and this version this the cuts is like i mean basically like cuts his head or does something and all that so that or stops the thing from happening or something like that and okay. and so the reason why vishnu incarnate they say is that he was cursed by a brahmin from um uh-huh. in some i'm not sure which true but like is it the reason why vishnu incarnates and comes as very very spawn because the curse was that he every like you will never like you will never be in your supreme abode you always have to incarnate multiple times to get rid of that thing of that that um, of the curse of inserting a brahman or something like that i'm not sure if it's true but okay. i they say that vishnu i mean i think according to this it says that vishnu is like living out this this curse or something that he has to incarnate multiple times to get rid of that debt that he had to pay that he you know he did something he offended a brahman okay I I I haven't heard this. I'll check it out. There's a lot of stuff floating around, so we don't know how much of this is yeah, valid. Yeah, yeah. So that's why even I wasn't sure, but I sure. saw, I just saw this video. So I actually sure. yeah. But uh, I will uh, get back to you after the class of one explanation mm-hmm. that even why the Lord actually takes all these strange forms in his incarnations, like you said, once as a tortoise, once as a half lion, once as and so on, a boar. What's the reason for it? This again, a kind of pretty nice commonsensical expression that's given. I'll give that later. I think we'll stop here because we've been going on for yeah. almost two hours. Okay, it's going yeah. to be 3:30 soon, so we'll stop here. And the remaining verses, which are uh, few, uh, from verse 24, he starts talking about impersonalism. So 24:30, mm. that we'll tackle in our next class. We are ending the discussion okay. of demigod worship in the seventh chapter here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Okay. So I'll just uh, stop the recording. Okay. Thanks.